welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us today. Um, we have got a show that uh, I've been looking forward to today because I've got a gentleman on the line who is, I'm going to go say, uh, he's one of the hottest archers in America today because he just won the ASA Pro-Am, uh, the Hoyt Pro-Am in Foley, Alabama. Uh, he's a 38-year-old machinist, the pride of Atlantic, Pennsylvania, which, by the way, is nowhere near the Atlantic Ocean, but he is a fellow Pennsylvania boy, so I want to give it up for my man, Kenny Lance. Kenny, thank you for being with us today on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Hey, thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. I mean, congratulations on the big win down there in Alabama. That's the first big ASA tournament of the season. And you went down there and just killed it, man. And you beat all comers, all the big boys. Kenny Lance ended up on top of the podium. Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild. I still still can't believe it, really. <laughs> yeah, tell me a little bit about uh, how that felt. I know uh, before we started the show, I was asking you a little bit your, about yourself. I know you're 38 years old now, and you've been shooting for a good while, and you've won some tournaments in the past. Uh, certainly, I'm sure you've won a lot of uh, a local and regional tournaments. I know you've won some IBO events in the past, but this was the first sort of big money shoot uh, I guess that you've won and uh, tell me a little bit about the experience and what it was like over the course of the weekend and you know maybe w- when did you really know like hey man I think I'm gonna I'm gonna win this thing uh, I really I wasn't uh, real sure I was gonna win the thing till probably the last arrow when I when it, when it came down to the, the last arrow that that where I, all I had to do was sh- shoot an eight to win I was like well I could probably do this but then them, them, them boys you know that was the top dogs of archery there that was in the shoot off with me. We had Levi Morgan, Jeff Hopkins, uh, Danny McCarthy, and Tommy Gomez. They they were they were putting the pressure on me. They were they were banging fourteens and and twelves, you know, the whole way through that shoot off. And they every time they get within reach of me, they they kind of screw up and shoot shoot an eight or something, and then you know fall back. I I, I just I wasn't sure, you know, and you, you never know. Them guys are so good. I just figured somebody was going to hit something eventually but it just never happened so there i ended up at the top but it was it was it was an awesome weekend i, I led it from the first day i mean me and levi were tied after the first day and uh I, you know i just wanted to put two good days together down there and ended up finally getting it done that's been kind of my problem in the past i would shoot great one day i've led a lot of tournaments for one day and then just kind of let them go on the second day i finally two days together and this time at the end of two days i was in the lead so kind of worked out for me if i can use the same formula maybe it'll work again we'll see (laughs) well i certainly hope it does you know you mentioned some of those other names and you know certainly levi morgan is uh somebody that we're very familiar with here at peterson's bow hunting uh because levi uh does a column for us and uh of course uh you know he's well known for for his tv show and, and and all the success that he's had you know over the years just unbelievable uh consistency and excellence on the 3d circuit um talk to me a little bit about that mindset yeah i mean when you're up against 
guys that you know have sort of been there and done that uh, more than you. Is that something that you're conscious of and, and you think about over the course of the two days or, you know, do you just uh, find a way to get that out of your head? Well, I try, I try not to think about it. I mean, Levi, he, he's, you know, he's, he's the goat. He's the greatest all time right now. I, I, he's going to go down as probably the, the best all time 3d archer out there. I mean, you, uh, you can't really think about that. You just got to kind of take it one shot at a time and not really look at where the, you can't, you can't be looking at scoreboards and stuff and watch. I know at the end you kind of do to see where you're at, see what it's going to take to make the cut. But the, uh, you know, I'm not trying to watch what he's doing. Definitely. I'm trying to focus on myself, but you know, he, he, he's, uh, he, he's, he's, he's definitely an animal out there when, you, when you're, when, when he's shooting good, he's, he's tough to, tough to beat. If you beat Levi, you're pretty much going to be in the top five guaranteed because he's always there. Well, you beat him, you beat him this time. So nobody can ever take that away from you, buddy. Um, let's kind of, let's take a, a, a step back real quick for, I know that a lot of people who are going to listen to this show really probably aren't exactly familiar with you know the format of an asa tournament i mean everyone knows you're, you guys are shooting 3d targets but of course there's you know there's asa and there's ibo and i know that the two organizations use slightly different targets and, and all that so just to set the stage before we talk a little bit more about you know your weekend there and maybe some of the the mindset that goes into your shooting and some technique and things like that why don't you just lay out for folks how the tournament works you basically like you said you're shooting over two days explain to people how many targets you're shooting each day and how those asa targets work in terms of the different scoring zones and how many points you can shoot for on each target well, you shoot 20 targets each day, and it's usually, like, set up on, like, a uh, power line or something. So you're shooting, like, you shoot, like, down and back. You'll, you'll shoot 10 down and 10 back, usually, one on each side, or they'll crisscross you, depending on what they do. But the uh, they'll be at different distances. We don't know how far they are. We're, we're judging them, and uh, they have the, if, if you know what a 10 ring, if you guys all know what a 10 ring is in there, you've got your 10. The difference between an IBO and an ASA is you got a corner 12. And uh, you got a lower corner and an upper corner. The lower corner is always in play for for 12 points, and that's your bonus ring. If you if, say it gets clogged up and people fill up the bottom one, or you feel more comfortable aiming at the upper, you can call the upper 12 and shoot it in. If you if you get it, you can get 12 points. Now that's during the regular tournament scoring. It you know it's 12, 10, 8, 5 pretty much, and then if you miss, you get nothing. But the uh, when you hit when you go into the shoot off, the 14s are in play and. The, out in like the edge of the eight and the five. So if you miss that, you're either going to get an eight or a five, but that's kind of how the, the scoring goes anyhow. And it's, you know, 20 targets, you, you get there and, and think you're going to, you have no clue where you're going and no clue who you're shooting with till you get there. So, you know, you mentioned it's 20 targets. Give people an idea of how big those 12 and 14 rings are because you know, I, yeah, they're about the size of, I mean, that, that 12 ring is about the size of a 50 cent piece, isn't it? Yeah. The 12 ring is like a 50 cent piece and all the 10 rings, I think are five inches across. I think, right. it's, I think it's a five inch. And ring. is that, is that, size. is that 14 even smaller than the 12? On some of them, the, the 12, the 14 ring on, on some of them, it's smaller. Some of it's bigger. It depends on the target. Like the Havelina, I think the, 
14 inches, the, the 14's uh, smaller than the 12 one. It, it just depends on the target. But they're tiny. They're out in no man's land. They're usually pretty tough to hit. And, uh, yeah, and the distances. You talked about, obviously, in these professional uh classes that these guys are shooting and this is all unknown distance so you guys are obviously having to make a judgment call at each target and is there a maximum basically in this format that you know the target's going to be say from you know 70 yards in or 60 yards in how does that work kenny well in in asa it's approximately 50 so sometimes i mean sometimes up to two yards but most of the time, they don't deviate past 50, but I've, I've been at a couple of them where they might have been stuck on meters or something, and you, you went over, and that'll get a lot of people. So you really got to gotta pay attention because they're range finders. Not all range finders are the same. They could be using, you know, that's why they put the plus or minus in there. When you use one range finder or the other, it could be a yard difference, two yards difference. That's a big difference when you're talking 50 yards. And shooting at a quarter 12 because a lot of these targets, too, the eight rings, you know, you miss a corner 12 by an inch you're you're a five so if you depending on the target like your your black panther and stuff you you miss low on that you don't got much room for air underneath it and you got a nickel yeah i mean and that's the thing there's so much strategy and skill involved in the game and that's what makes it interesting to me you know first of all you've got that yardage estimation and you know everyone says you know a guy like levi i've heard it said many times about him is that's where you know part of the reason that he's so good is that he's just so good at estimating that that yardage talk to me a little bit about that skill you know how do you practice for estimating the yardage and is that something that you actually do you know in addition to obviously you're practicing shooting your bow and and your form and and dialing your equipment in you actually go out and, and practice your your ranging and and you know maybe you can tell me and and those who are listening you know how can we get better at that well it's 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 a lot of like uh memory you know processing you know like mental pictures in your mind of what the targets are at certain ranges it's not not so much a lot of people think you're out there looking at the ground counting out yardage it's it's not that way so much when you get to our level you got to be able to look at the target and, and and tell how far it is just from looking at it it's just really from Experience of shooting. What comes to really a lot of people, it's hard. I know, and that's good that they've made the known classes for that. They have somewhere they can do their shit. They, you know, they they can't feel like they can't judge. They can they can shoot the known side and compete still. You know, but there there is definitely strategy involved in it. A lot of it because. Like me, I'll come up to a target if it's pretty. If I'm pretty confident, I'll, I'll shoot hard. If, well, but if I'm not put a couple extra yards on what I think it is and be happy with the 10 and, you know, still shoot it to the corner 12. And I, I picked up a couple of 12s that weekend shooting, you know, because that course was really it was a long course for the got three 12s, I think, where I thought I was being safe, adding extra yards to it. And I shot at the 12 and lo and behold, my arrow falls into the 12, you know, whereas if I would have gotten, you know, if I would have shot for what I really thought it was, I would have shot an eight or a five low, but. I just knew myself enough not to not to not to play with it, but yeah, yardage judging. You just got to get out there and shoot 3D. You know, get on the weekends and you know, that's how I got into this. I shot. I started messing around shooting shooting local 3D shoots, and I enjoyed it. And I, I enjoyed the challenge of trying to judge yardage. You can use ground; it'll help you to a point. But 
whenever you get dips and stuff where the ground leaves you, you know, the, the size of the target don't lie to you. The ground can. So basically it's an acquired skill is what you're telling me. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. Yeah, well, you can, yeah, you can, you can get, I mean, some people it comes to natural. I think Levi probably comes to kind of natural, but believe me, it's not just that. He's a very, very, very excellent shot. You don't go to Vegas and shoot. 83 X's out of 90, you know, and, and get there on your judging. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. So talk, <laughs> talk, talk to me about the general strategy of the targets. Is pretty much everybody in your class at your level, do you have to just shoot 12, 12, 12 every time? And then if you miss a 12 at some point, you're going to have to maybe, you know, hope that you can obviously just make up some ground because other guys are going to miss or are you or are you shooting, you know, generally thinking that a 10 on every target? How does it work? Me, my goal, I'm trying to just get double digits every single time. I know I'm going to bang into a bunch of, you know, if I if I stay in the 10 ring, I'm going to shoot, shoot a bunch, shoot some 12s. You know, I'll shoot enough to to be competitive. Yeah, I don't. When I'm when I'm sure of the artists, you go after them. When you're not sure, you got to kind of you know give yourself a buffer when you're when you're uh, going for them. You got to have some strategy, you know, in there. And you got to watch, kind of watch what everybody else is doing too. You know, you you sit there in your group, and if everybody's blowing low on it, you better add a couple to it because they're you know most of us most of us are decent at judging, and you can you know if if they're seeing something wrong, you're probably seeing something wrong. So. I mean, that's, that's what I do. It's, I know it's not as like down the other levels and stuff. You can get burnt by doing that, but in ours, that, that is one in, in the pro class. It's, you can at least kind of narrow it down a little bit. You know, if people, if everybody's shooting low like that. Yeah. It's, uh, there's definitely an advantage to not going first, right? Especially on maybe some of the trickier targets. So how does that get determined as you guys move from target to target? How many people are in a group or there? basically four archers on the target and you go around with those other three guys uh is that the right group size yeah usually it's usually it's four sometimes three they'll do but they uh, at the beginning of it you, you'll uh usually they just draw an order it's luck of the draw sometimes it sometimes you get burnt with that you know and it sometimes like I've, I've been in tournaments where like every time you come up you're shooting a close target first which is a good draw because then you gotta worry about kicking out off nothing and you got the first crack at the 12 ring but you know, and it also works reverse. You could be getting them tricky ones that are that, that look look wrong. So you you gotta it, you you can you can get you can get kind of hosed on that, or you can get lucky on it. It's 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 you know, but it, it seems like it always pans out in the end. You know, with, with whoever gets what. You know, you got two days of this, so it's not like you're getting the, the raw end the whole weekend either way. My draw wasn't too bad, so. So do you? Um... As you go to each target, does the order of the shooters just rotate or is it based on the running score and whoever's leading, you know, gets to choose where they want to shoot or how does that work? Now in the tournament, it rotates. Like when you're rotating now at the end of the tournament, like in the shoot off, when you watch that stuff, like you come to the final arrow, it's, uh, it's, it's whoever's got the highest score shoots last. But the, uh, in the, in the tournament, you rotate and maintain the same order the whole, the whole tournament, like each day each year because when that what happens is after the first day they reseat you like so if you're in the top four they're going to put the top four on the same stake and through the through the field and then like each stake will redraw an order like on the second day so you're, you're whatever your order draw is on the first day which you shoot that whole it's going to change 
Gotcha. Yeah, you're breaking. You were breaking up a little bit right there. Um, But uh, no, it's okay. I don't know if it's the cell phone or if it's the Skype or what. I apologize to the listeners. I've had a little bit of that uh, as we're going on here, but we're getting most of it, and it's all gold, Kenny. So we can put up with it, man. We (laughs) we like talking to you. Um, So the other thing that's interesting is, you know, you mentioned you just try to go for tens and you know, kind of see as it starts to play out. And of course, every tournament is different. You know, I, I just real thinking about trying to put myself in your shoes and, you know, you go in, you know, well, let's say like this, right? Every, every tournament you go in and you're thinking some of those other guys that you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, are probably going to be doing it. But the truth of the matter is, you know, as the old saying goes, that's why they play the games, right? Because everybody, whether it's yeah. the NFL or the NBA, I mean, everybody thinks they know who's going to win. But the fact is, right, if we really knew that, we wouldn't have to play and we wouldn't have to shoot. And so every tournament is different and you never know what's going to happen so talk to me a little bit about this particular tournament down in foley where you just came out on top were there were there some things as you're going through you know the first day where you know maybe you were shooting a little better than you expected maybe some of the other guys you know made a couple poor shots or something and you're like man you know this is this is kind of coming together maybe for me or like you said maybe not because you said you've been in the lead on a bunch of days too so tell me about it yeah well i the first day actually i was i jumped out to a pretty good lead right off the bat and i was i was shooting real good and uh i i I actually kind of like played safer and i knew i was going to be around the top because i i got the 14 up real quick i was actually up to 16 up i think at one point, and I just missed another one. It would have put me to 18, and it, and it dropped me back to 14. I, just, I mean, I barely missed one. I had to get it called out. I almost called a proctor on it to try to call it in, but I was like, ah, dang, it's it's probably just out. So I went with it. But the uh, the the first day, I was shooting real well, and I, and actually coming into this, I was I've been judging real good and shooting real well. I knew I was going to shoot well down there. I just didn't know how well, and. Uh, I just, you know, I just tried to try to not think about nothing and tried to make good shots the whole time. Didn't really think about what everybody else was doing. You know, I had, I had no clue. I was tied with Levi. I, I knew myself that I had shot good, you know, and I, I knew I'd be in the top couple, you know, just, just from how I'd shot. You can, you can tell, you know, when you can tell when you can read a course and the course looks hard and you got a good score coming off of it. So I, I knew where I was at you know, in, in my mind, what I needed to do. And I just, I just kind of tried to block everything out. And anytime any, any bad thoughts or anything came in my head, I was trying to push them aside and not think about anything, but, but, but making a good shot, you know, one target at a time. And then, you know, it, it went, it went on and as it went on, it kept staying up there. And I was watching it the second day when I was watching, you know, I seen like Levi wasn't shooting as well and better. I, you know, I, I started, yeah, this might just happen. You know, I know I knew towards the end, I was probably going to be in the shoot off. I didn't know where I was going to be, if I was going to be leading it or if I was going to be in second place. Cause Tommy Gomez kind of came out of nowhere and, and, uh, it was, it was right up on, on me there. For a little so, bit. I, I just, you know, took just taking it one shot at a time. <laughs> yeah. Locked everything out. There's a lot of pressure in it, you know. Now, now, is it like the PGA Tour where there's a leaderboard out there? Can you actually see, like, running scores as you're on the course, or do you not really know until you get back, uh, you know, to the to the finish area? Well, Cam, yeah. They, 
this time they're going to look like our phones and stuff. They would keep us updated that way. But now that Cam is running it, the that new uh, media group. Yeah, yeah, Competition Archery. Yeah, let's give them yeah. a shout out too. That's uh, the guys yeah. over at Lancaster Archery Supply have started up Competition Archery Media, and uh, yeah, PJ and the other guys over there. They're, they're, that's a great thing that they're doing for archery for sure. Yeah, they're doing an excellent job at covering it, and they actually put scoreboards out there, which made it nice. You could you could look up and down and see where everybody was at, and, you know, so now you're seeing who's – you could see what the scores were looking like. I kept looking back, and I could see, you know, because there was a few guys that came up, and there was a couple guys at second place that didn't even make the make the uh, shoot-off there. You know, they're at, one, at a couple points in time, we're right up under – Beneath my name, and it kind of come out of nowhere, and you know, was up there, and he was pushing me, and I shot a couple twelves, got out ahead of him. So, wow. But yeah, it was it was pretty pretty crazy weekend. It it's definitely, I'll tell you what, it's nice for the viewers and stuff, and in the following it that they're doing. But I'll tell you what, it's putting more pressure on the shooters because now you you know what you got to have. I mean, it's you, you oh yeah, I mean, but, like, but but that's cool, man, isn't it? I mean, it's like think about it again. You know, the golf analogy. It's like you know, you're Kenny Lance, and and you know, then you got Levi's over there, Tiger Woods. You know, and think about it. I mean, because you know, you're on target. 15 and then all of a sudden you're getting ready to take your shot and you look over and the scoreboard changes and you're like oh man tiger just eagled you know the ninth hole you know <laughs> levi just shot a you know a 12 you know and it's like keeps the pressure on you like you said but that that makes that just makes all of you guys raise your games to the next level so that's good for the sport i think long term even if it makes it a little harder yeah. on you guys for a while You'll get used no, to it. Yeah, it definitely makes it more interesting. It's it's it's, it's cool. It's, I mean, it's a necessary, necessary thing that we need. You know, if you want to grow this sport in the where it's viewable and watchable and stuff, you got to have stuff like that. You can't have something where you don't know the scores. That's how it used to be. You get to the end and, you know, how'd you do? You had to ask everybody, you know, and it's, it's, it is nice. It's, <laughs> it's definitely evolved since I've started for sure. So, okay, here's a question everyone I'm sure wants to know. Is there trash talk out there on the course? <laughs> not not too much actually it's pretty it's it's almost like a family out there and it's it's not like it's not like you uh like you'd think i, I mean there it, it's everybody's like a family Every, when you make a good shot in 12 something everybody tells you a nice shot and you know when you win a tournament everybody comes up and does, congratulates you it's not it's not cut it's i mean i'm sure there's times it gets cut through at least this weekend that i won everybody was it was like a family and it seemed like actually everybody was genuinely happy for me you know to win but i i mean i've buddies you know friends and stuff we'll, we'll joke with each other and stuff you know but not 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 nothing serious back talk. I know I've seen no, some no, I've seen some arguments and stuff happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. they're happy for you, Kenny, because that's the first time you won one. Now, see if you start making a habit of this, <laughs> then they're going to start getting annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might not might not be too cool. Wouldn't that be a good problem to have? Yeah, that'd be a good problem to have. I'd love to have that problem. <laughs> well, I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I've walked up to Le Levi Morgan, got a new truck last year. I walked up to him. I was like, man, that's a nice truck. You think I can take it for a ride? And he's like looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I think I've made a couple payments on that thing. You maybe let me take it for a ride, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so 
then how do they determine who makes the shoot off then you go through the two days so everyone shoots 40 targets and then they take the top how many into the finals they take the top five five guys in and then how many go in the shoot off in front of the crowd and all that stuff that you got and so then how tell me about the format of the shoot off then do you shoot a set number of arrows or is it just everyone shoots until there's only one person left basically no, they, they shoot five. They do a five-target shoot-off, and then at the end of five targets, if anybody's within 10 points, they shoot a sixth and final arrow. And then if, uh, say, somebody ties you or something, you're in, you're in the lead and you get tied, that you cannot break a score on a – we don't break a, a tie break on X's on the, for first place. So, so if, uh, say, you get in there and you get to the sixth arrow, somebody shoots a 12 and ties you, you got to shoot a seventh arrow. It's got to go until, some, until the tie's broke. But you got, like – to get into that sixth there, you got to be within 10 points of the leader. And I didn't have much of a lead. So all them guys got to shoot the, that, that sixth and final arrow banging up, going after the 14, you know? Yeah. Gotcha. So, but it all worked out for you. And, uh, I'll tell you another thing that's interesting about, uh, these archery tournaments is people think that you must win, you know, a lot of money for winning these tournaments, but, you know, the truth is, if you have some good sponsors that are paying contingency, you know, that's maybe where you can actually get a decent payday from winning one of these tournaments. I was just looking on the ASA website here. It says that your payback on your championship was $1,710. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They don't, like the ASA, the, the money that we shoot for isn't really from... ASA that you're actually after. It's the contingency money. I, I think I get twelve thousand from G5 Prime, and then altogether I'll probably end up getting about eighteen thousand bucks from that shoot. Like with all the sponsors, between Gold Tip and uh, True Ball XL, and uh, you know all of this, like uh, Boning, 60X, they all pay me something if I win. So it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, it's it's worthwhile if you can get it done. You know. Oh, absolutely. And that's how that's how if you become, you know, a Levi Morgan and you can make eighteen or twenty thousand dollars a weekend for five or six weekends a year, that starts to add up pretty good, you know. And uh, but people don't realize that you have to have those sponsorships because, you know, occasionally there is a shooter who will because there's some really good shooters out there, Kenny, who don't don't really have a whole lot of sponsorship. If, if any, you know, maybe they have a couple, yeah. but, you know, there's been over the years, by all means, there's shooters who sometimes will win one of these tournaments and they don't really have sponsors that are paying big contingencies. So they literally only might come out of it, you know, with a few thousand bucks. So those sponsorships are yeah. really, really key for anybody who wants to, you know, make any kind of significant income as an archer. Yeah. Well, there is guys, there are two, I mean, there, there's there's a few of them that get paid too that get a salary as one. He, I'm pretty sure he gets a. Oh yeah, like a like a Levi, but it's hard. Yeah, but yeah. it's hard. Yeah, sure, and like an annual, sure, an, an annual type of like endorsement deal. But you have to, yeah. you have to reach a a pretty significant level in order to do that because, like you said, you know, archery is still you know growing and maturing as a competitive sport in that way, and you know it's it's a relative handful of people in the whole world, you know, who can do that, you know, really make a living off of, uh, 
you know, shooting their bow, which is why, you know, you go to the machine shop every day and, and, uh, you know, put in, put in your 40 or 50 hours a week and then still have to find the time, you know, early and late and weekends, getting your practice in and getting ready for these tournaments. And then, you know, putting out the expense of traveling to these tournaments and paying for your hotel rooms and, your gas and your restaurants and hoping that once in a while, right, you can get one of these big payoffs to put some money back in your bank account, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it is. It's a, it's a hobby, but you know what I mean? We, we, I, I, G5 treats, Prime treats me pretty good, too, so I don't have, I'm, I, I do all right with it, but I do, I am one of the ones that has to work, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting the, the big paid contract yet. Maybe if I put a couple more of these together, it'll, They'll look at me that way. You never know. <laughs> hey, I'll make you a deal, Kenny. You win another ASA, and I'll call old Matt Grace up and and personally put a put a bug in his ear here that he needs to put <laughs> cut you a big fat check here and get you on full time retainer. That'd be uh, that'd be nice. I, I might be able to shoot better, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> it would. It would take a little stress off, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it sure would. <laughs> hey, tell me about, so you mentioned G5 that's Prime. Dream. I mean, I think that's everybody's dream. Yes, for sure. So talk to me about your sponsors. You mentioned G5 Prime, obviously. Talk to me about your equipment, um, your bow, uh, you know, your release, your arrows, uh, basically your setup. And uh, really, let's get into maybe, you know, some of the... Uh, reason that you like prime so much i know when we talked on the phone the other day to set up this interview i was telling you how much i love uh my logic that i shot this past uh 2018 and and now i've got a new logic ct3 that i've still got to get set up here for doing some hunting with it here this year but uh obviously i'm sure you're shooting one of the longer axle to axle bows out there on the 3d circuit but a lot of the technologies are the same so yeah talk to me about talk to me about your bow and, and let's dive into some of that stuff yeah, I'm shooting a Prime CT9, and that's actually built off of your Logic platform. It's the same bow, just just longer, same cams and everything on it. So they 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 made it longer. They made it to 39 inches, and you can tell how easy that thing is to tune and how easy it is to shoot. It's uh the the one I'm shooting has a seven inch brace height, and it's I'll tell you what it's 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 I think it's the most accurate bow I've ever shot. And you know I can I've shot a lot of them. I've shot shot for a couple other companies i'm not going to name names but it's the uh it's the it's the most accurate bow i think i've shot and um yeah they tune i mean it'll you can you can you can bear shaft tune it it'll it'll put a bear shaft in the same hole that a that it will with flexions and i mean it don't get any better than that i i got mine paper tuned with x cutters on it right now because that's what i'm shooting from outside for around shooting like indoors and i never even moved my rest and it was, it was it was a bullet hole with the with the X cutter and it was it was dang there a perfect bullet hole with a triple X with two hundred grains in the front of it and uh, that's not even moved same same set on it everything you know just letting it ride the where it, where it was riding for the X cutter but, yeah uh, yeah that's, so, that's basically I, and, what I'm shooting and would you attribute you know you're basically talking about you know, really consistent knock travel there, uh, which means you've got really consistent, you know, string travel, of course. I know for me, I've found, you know, ever since Prime came out with that parallel cam technology, the way that they lobe those cams, and of course that gives 
those prime bows a very distinctive look because there's nobody else in the marketplace that has that and so for those of you who are listening right if you if you know what a prime bow is it's almost like there's two cams right there's two cams on the top and yeah. two cams on the bottom because the the main bowstring really only runs the the length of between the axles and then the end of the string is yoked on the top and the bottom and then there's a secondary string piece that basically uh ties into the left and right lobes of those cams and what that system does so effectively is to split the draw force uh, very very evenly uh, on the left and right lobes so rather than having that single cam that's riding in the middle of the axle as you draw your bow and you have uh, the force of your draw basically as you come uh, past peak and get down towards the valley all that tension is shifting from your bow string over to your cables and and because your cables aren't perfectly centered in the system that's creating a, a torque basically that wants to pull your cams yeah. off kilter and so that parallel cam system sort of attacks that problem if you will by dividing that force evenly on the two lobes of the cams and so you get a lot less of that cam lean and and so you're getting a much much more consistent string travel and i really have been impressed with it for years kenny i don't know how long you've been shooting yeah. prime but yeah talk to me a little bit about what you think about the parallel cam system and uh, maybe is there do you have to do anything to tune it do you have any things that you like to do to tweak it or, or anything like that well i'm uh yeah i i i love the cam system this this new cam system's awesome the uh you you got no sideway torque on it. Everything's you know everything's tight down the middle with it. And uh, I I'll tell you what they're so smart because I I still don't understand it. I don't know how they get level knock travel out of having that cam. They must have figured that thing out perfectly with the with having the bigger cam on top and the smaller cam on bottom like that. You wouldn't you wouldn't think that you know <laughs> it would be that because they've tried that in the past with other bows and they they never had level knock travel with it. But this, this not not they other companies have tried to kind of do what prime's done and, and they've perfected it with, with with this bow the uh i've been shooting them i've been shooting prime i think for five years now and um they've each year they've gotten better and better and better with what they're doing and they're you know they're still young with their in their in their bow company you know as compared to the other archery companies out there and they're they're making a lot of headway with uh with technology i mean there's not a lot of new stuff out there if you look at all the other bow companies and they're coming prime is coming out with with you know with new stuff every year you know but the um yeah it's it's the easiest tuning cam the uh the like you said with the with the with them cams being dual on top and that you don't have no yoke on it that you have to screw with you can just you can just set it up and kind of move your rest where it needs to go there's no there's no tweaking on cams and stuff now i will say you when when you when you time them cams you want to kind of use their timing dimples up there and they figured them out too perfect like the you want to set a straight edge on them them dimples that's how i timed mine and then you kind of set your set your uh your let off where you want it and then on, on a draw board so you can get them even but that that's what i do i i use a i use a draw board and i set it where i wanted i tweaked it until i got it to feel like i wanted to get the holding weight i want to because because everything's adjustable on them you can use a limb stop or you can use a cable stop i'm shooting cable stops off of it and um i'm, I'm probably running around 75 percent let off on on mine and uh 
yeah, the, 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 them, them cams are, are unreal, you know, with, with, with what they've done. And they're getting speed, more speed with them. That's been the little bit of the hang-up the last few years on the primes. They've been slower. And these newer bows are, are, are getting some speed, you know, out of them compared to the, the ones they've had in the past. Also, too, if, if you've noticed, their, their risers on, their, on the bows, this is also the shortest limb they've ran this year with them logics and stuff they've they've run a longer riser they found that that's more stable you know with the with having the 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 longer riser going into the the bigger wider limb pockets they have so yeah i mean it's just a really really stable platform you know the whole whole thing i'll tell you the other thing i like about uh, what prime is doing and you talked about the fact that they're a young relatively young bow company certainly compared to um, you know, a lot of the other leading brands that are out there, they were, you know, they just haven't been around that long. But in a in a very short period of time, they've affected some real transformative change on the industry. And one thing um, that they did, so let's see, would have been 2017 when they released the Synergy and they, they built their yeah. first Synergy riser. Um, they had a basically the best balance the bow um, riser design where you didn't have um, you know a top heavy nature to so many of the bows that you see out there prime design that synergy riser where basically the center of the bow was going to be right at the throat of the grip so you didn't have a bow that wanted to go you know over the top or, yeah, tipping, or over. tipping over or the other way or side to side you could basically just take your finger and put it there well then they continued that synergy technology last year in the logic and they've continued it this year and you know you remember the first year when they introduced the synergy they did that little um demonstration where they basically screwed a laser pointer into the stabilizer insert and they had just basically had you draw the bow and anchor and aim at a target and you could just see how much your little dot moved around and they recorded basically the path of your dot on a computer graph and then they would have you do it with other manufacturers bows and they would play back basically a a time lapse of the movement of your aiming point your pin basically and it was amazing how much less movement there was with that synergy design because the bow is so well balanced like that's the way i was telling you the other day with my logic man when you raise that bow up and you man you come back to full draw and i shoot the limb stops so it's rock solid right i mean you come over the top you get through that valley and it's boom you know that thing hits the limbs and it's just dead stop and then the bow just literally it's like just wants to sit there you don't have to fight it to aim and obviously for a guy like you that's trying to earn money putting your arrow where you want it to go the less your bow moves at full draw the better it is for you yeah you're right you're right that's i mean that's you hit the nail on the head with especially with that center grip you don't have to put i I was sitting there the other night on facebook this 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 guy went on there and um was asking about the about like what we run for stabilizers and stuff and i'm sitting there looking at all these other pro guys you know top top pro guys and they're putting their weights that they're running on and ounces out the front 20 out the back you know a lot of weight out front out back i'm i I go on there i'm running five ounces out the out the front 13 out the back 
you know, my bow's my bow. I'm not running near the weight on my bow because of how steady it sits. Then when the, when the bows are not balanced on them to get to get them right, you know, to where to where you can aim them well, you know. And that mine don't need that. I can mine sit still. I could sit there out of the box with no stabilizer on it still, you know. Oh so yeah, it's, 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 it's well, they definitely hit a home run with this with this, with this bow line. Oh yeah, I, I show people my logic from last year. I've got like an old Sims vibration lab. I think it's like a little, maybe four or five inch black piece of rubber, like a little, it's got some fins on it. I mean, it's really not a stabilizer, right? It's just a dampener. It probably only yeah. weighs four or five ounces. And I'm like, for bow hunting, whitetails? You know, out of a tree stand, like 30, <laughs> 30 yards and in, I'm like, you don't need any more stabilizer than that. You know, yeah. and I I love it because, like you said, it doesn't add it doesn't have really any weight at all, and then you don't have really anything sticking off the front of your bow at all either. So it's nothing to get in the way of, you know, anything out there in the field. So uh, I really like that. But and, and the thing I was getting at, so we you know we went on about that a little bit, Kenny, but. Um, to come back to the point I was making, you know, it's interesting to see how the different manufacturers kind of um, mm-hmm. push one another, you know, to constant improvement. Because I noticed over the last couple yeah. of years, there's been two or three other manufacturers who have tweaked their riser designs. They've played with limb pockets. They've moved accessories and where they sit on the riser. And they basically, you can see what yeah. they're doing is they're moving weight lower. They're, they're, they're actually yeah, trying they're to, weight to, get it from to, to get a better balance point, yeah. like, like Prime did with the Synergy yeah. riser. And, and, you know, certainly, you know, we're, we're praising Prime here. It's not that there's not a lot of other good bows. I mean, all the manufacturers, right, as, as one company innovates, the competition eventually comes around and responds to that. And the good thing for us as shooters, whether you shoot Prime or, you know, Matthews, Bowtech, Hoyt, PSE, whatever it is, the bows five years from now, we know they're going to be better than the bows today because all that innovation constantly forces everybody else to innovate themselves. And, and the result for, for us is just better and better equipment all the time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, so, you know, we didn't talk about hunting at all yet. Um, I guess before we jump into that too, why don't you tell people, because folks are always curious what the pros are shooting to, run through the rest of your gear. Tell, tell people oh, about, yeah, I didn't you know, yeah, yeah, t- tell us about, yeah, yeah, tell us about your rest and your sight and your arrows and all that good stuff, your release. Okay. Well, I'm shooting the Prime CT9 and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm running an, an Excel, uh, their, their older site, the, uh, the carbon, the carbon, I'll uh, shoot. Whatever the, the the carbon target site that they got, not the not the new one. I ain't got the 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 new the new one that they got out yet. But I'm running hang last on, year's hang model. On, hang on, uh, if there's anybody from Excel uh-huh. listening, Kenny Lance just won the ASA <laughs> Pro Am Hoyt Pro Am in Foley, Alabama. Can somebody please send this man your new site? Okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> oh, they they did. They they got on order. <laughs> they're just they've sold out of them. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, and then on the scope, I'm running a Shrewd Nomad 42 millimeter. We're on a three power lens, and uh, I, I use a 332nd peep sight, just a regular peep, nothing, nothing crazy there. I use a, a Hamsky uh, Versa Rest, and I'm not using it as a drop wood. I just got it in there like a with a with a spring steel blade on it. 
Um, using bee stinger stabilizers, I use a 30 inch rod out the front with uh, five five ounces in the in the front, and then out the back I use a 12 inch uh, rod with uh, with 13 ounces out the back. Um, shooting uh, 60x strings on my bow. Um, shooting uh, X cutters from Gold Tip for my for my uh, arrows. And oh, for my release, I, when I was down there, I shoot tr- true ball releases, but I'll bounce between using a fulcrum flex and a, down there I was shooting the goat. And that new new release that they got that can switch between a thumb button and a back tension, I was running it as a thumb button, which I think that's the best thumb button anybody's ever made. That's cool. That's I was just pretty much my uh, setup, I believe. Oh, bo- I use boning uh, fletchings too. Awesome. Yeah, I was just uh, talking to the True Ball folks this past weekend at the Kinsey show, and uh, I was checking that release out a little bit. And uh, based on what you just said, I might have to get my hands on one of those this year. Um, I'll tell you what, they've they've, they've hit one out of the park on that one. You know, and they were talking about the idea of it and that, and I was just. I was like, I would like to try one. And Brandon, Brandon gave me one last year, you know, one of the first ones out and I played with it. And I was just, I wasn't like, you know, I, I didn't have enough courage, I guess, to shoot it last year. Cause you know, it's a, it, it's something that switches between being a hinge and a thumb. I wasn't sure about it. I'm like, how good could this thumb be? And I got to messing with it in the off season. And I was like, Holy cow, this thing's crisp. I mean, no travel. You can, you can make that thing hairy as can be. If you want to make it hairy, I don't shoot it real hairy, but, you can take the travel completely out of it. I mean, it's it's like shooting like a, a a crazy professional rifle trigger on your on your thumb. I mean, it's 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 awesome, you know. And it don't move like you could you could you shoot it like you shoot you can shoot it for six months and that that thing does not move. It'll it'll keep the same pounds of pressure on it. It does not it don't develop creep like like a lot of the other release companies do. So you're saying you like it. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, Brandon, you better get the check in the mail, man, because old Kenny Lance just sold you a pile of goat releases. So don't forget him now. He's an ASA champion until <laughs> somebody wins another tournament, and it just might be Kenny again. All right, let's switch gears and move over to hunting a little bit. So I know, again, being a, a fellow Pennsylvania boy and, uh, you know, I'll, Listen, we better just tell everyone this because unfortunately, or I guess fortunately, because we do need more than just Pennsylvania, but, you know, everybody who listens to this show, Kenny, they're not all Pennsylvania boys, but, you know, if you can kill deer regular here in Pennsylvania, we all know you can do it anywhere in the country. Isn't that right? (laughs) That's that's true. It's definitely, you know, it's that we hunt a different breed of deer. You go to Illinois, anywhere out there, you... It's, it's pretty easy <laughs> compared to here. For us to kill like 120 inch deer, you go to Illinois, it's like killing 150 inch deer. So it's it, it, it's definitely def, we definitely have it hard here with all the hunting pressure. And, I was going to say when it when it when it comes to putting up with BS, whether you're a deer or another hunter, nobody puts up with more of it than we do here in Pennsylvania, just about, do they? And uh, listen, I, I do want to I do want to give a shout out now. I know I got some bow hunting brothers over in Jersey and New York and Delaware. There's other places that are similar, but my point is it, it doesn't get a whole lot more ridiculous sometimes than it does, does for us here. So, so a shout out to my fellow PA hunters. And yes, uh, you know, we're some guys that work with the mag 
magazine that live out west. Uh, I think of uh, old Danny Ferris, our associate publisher. He lives out in Colorado, and he always loves to give me a hard time. He's like, oh, Berg, I know, I know. All them deer and turkeys in Pennsylvania, they have PhDs, but... If you don't, if you don't, I don't see Danny. The thing is, I never see him get on a plane and come to Pennsylvania to go on a hunting trip. That's all I'm saying. See, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> have you been to Colorado? Yes, I've been, been to, to Colorado. Colorado. I have. Like, I yes. can see why you don't come back here. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, talk to me a little bit about your bow hunting. You've been, you've been a bow hunter um, most of your life or? Yeah, I've, I've bow hunted since I was probably 16. I think I. I think I, or probably 15, I think I killed my first buck when I was 17 with a bow. Her first buck I killed, period, was with a bow, just a little half rack, but still remember it to this day. I, I, I hunt every year. I take my kids hunting, and, and uh, we, we get after it. They, they, my, my boy, he's been hunting now for six years, I believe. He's killed a buck every year with his, with his crossbow, and um, I, I, I pass up deer. I try to shoot a mature buck, so I might not kill one every year. But usually, if I kill something, I kill something nice. You know, it's 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 up where I'm at compared as opposed to you. You're down by Harrisburg, I guess. We got we do have some bigger deer because we're 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 closer to Ohio. So I mean, it's not out of the question to shoot 140 inch deer. We're around here. Now, what do you consider? Yeah, we. For for me here in Pennsylvania, you know, you talk about trying to shoot a mature deer. Really, for me, um, I would say I would want to shoot pretty much any three and a half year old or better that I could find. And and you know, certainly there's years that I don't even get a chance at a three and a half year old. Um, but for the area where I hunt, you know, I consider that to be a pretty good trophy. And and you know, that might be deer that would generally be passing up if we were on a you know, a trip, like you said, out to Illinois yeah. or Iowa or Kansas. Um, what's a mature deer for you in Pennsylvania? It's same thing. I shoot, I try to try to get a three and a half year old, you know, if I can, I've, I've killed a couple that were four and a half there. You get up, up in this, this end of the state. If you get, if you get a three and a half year old, it's probably going to be one thirties, one forties, you know, for, for inches. But I don't, I don't really let the inches and stuff be the guide. I, if I, if it gets my heart pumping when he comes by, I'll shoot him. <laughs> you know, it's, that's it's what it is for me. You know, I, I've, I've hunted Illinois. I've killed a couple nice bucks in Illinois, but the, uh, I'm, I'm more apt to actually shoot a smaller deer in Illinois for the price of their tags out there. When I get out there, I see something with like an 18 inch spread. I've, I've screwed up. I've went out with Danny Evans a few times hunting and, um, they always pick on me because they're like, you shot that little thing. It was 18 inches wide. And I'm like, man, I can't let that go. That's big back home. So, man, I'm telling you what, dude, you are a Pennsylvania killer. Dude, we're stone cold killers from PA. That's it's funny thing. You know, when you go out to the Midwest, you talk to any outfitter, you know, whether it's Missouri, you know, Illinois, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, wherever. There's tons of guys from Pennsylvania who go out, you know, to the Midwest to hunt every year. And you talk to any of those outfitters and they all tell the same story. They're like, oh, you know, it's like them guys from Pennsylvania come out and they all shoot the first buck they see on the first day and it's 115 inch, two and a half year old. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm <laughs> telling them all the same thing. I'm like, you got to understand, sir, that's probably was the biggest deer that that guy ever saw. And he was tickled pink, you know, but it does put a dent in their management programs. That's for sure. I get yeah. it both ways, you know. Yeah. 
Hey, it is what it is. But if you get excited, I don't make fun of anybody. You know, if 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 a guy wants to, like, if my kid wants to shoot a spike like he did this year, and he's excited about it and pumped up when he shoots it, you know, that's what it's about. It's not about inches and 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 you know and 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 who kills the biggest buck. I you know I could care less. I I've shot some nice ones. My wife has killed a bigger buck than I have, so I can't even. I don't even have the biggest buck in my house. So the uh, but but we we. Uh, we we get after them. We we like the we love deer hunting. It's, it's you know it's tradition here. <laughs> you know it's a, yeah. I'd love I'll tell to you see what. them get this Sunday hunting that they're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, my wife doesn't hunt, so I'm kind of jealous. You know, I'd be I'd be tickled <laughs> to death if my wife had the biggest buck on the wall in our house. You know, that'd give me something you else. Know, to... You know what's crazy? It's been my it's been my lifelong goal to kill 150 inch deer. Okay, I have not killed 150 inch deer. I've killed. I've killed three or four that are like between 145 and half. And every time I've shot them, I thought I killed my 150. My wife has shot 152 inch deer. And I've never, never broken. I can't, you know, she's just better than me, I guess, at home. But yeah. she's, I don't know if she's better than you, but she's probably more patient than you anyway. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> when my buddies walk in the house, they always ask who got the biggest buck on the wall. They love bringing it up. And somebody new comes in, which one's the biggest one on the wall? Just to try to get at me. It's funny. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned something else a little bit earlier that I thought was interesting because I've got two boys uh, myself, and you mentioned the crossbow that your son has killed, you know, several deer with the crossbow. And, um, one of my boys, my younger son, has killed several deer with a crossbow as well. Um, kind of curious about your opinion as, about the crossbow, particularly when it comes to kids and introducing them to hunting and, uh, you know, where you see that fitting in in uh, the archery realm. Because obviously, depending on who you talk to, that can be a little bit of a controversial topic. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I'm the kind of, I, I, I think that... Uh, I I think they're good in some cases myself. I probably myself for me, I'm not going to use one. I I don't get as much enjoyment shooting a deer with a crossbow, but you know, for kids and stuff that can't pull the weight and want to get out there and you know, it's a lot better weather, easier. It's easier to take a kid out sitting in a ground blind in 70 degree weather than taking them out sitting with a gun with the deer come running by 90 mile an hour. You know, it gives them an opportunity to get after it. My uncle, he comes up from Florida, he's 70 years old. He uses a crossbow. He, he can't get around real well. So he, uh, he uses a crossbow. I, I don't see a problem with them. I do. I, I see that there's, you know, in some States they're starting to actually take a step back from them, but you know, you probably got, they probably got to just adjust their management or something you know, differently or whatever. But I, I think if you're able, you should shoot a compound bow. I don't think you get the same adrenaline rush, you know, pulling up a scope bow and shooting at something, you know, as you do is pulling the bow back. There's nothing like pulling a bow back and coming to full draw and anchoring on a, on a big buck in front of you. You know, it's just, it's a whole different level of excitement. It's how you want to challenge yourself, you know? Well, that's really what it, that's really what, yeah, that's really what it boils down to, Kenny. I generally agree with you. I think that the, um, you know, for my son, the crossbow is, is a great tool for um, introducing kids to a lot of the things that have to happen in order for a successful bow hunt to happen. Um, 
you know, the shot is just the final moment of a successful hunt, right? There's a lot of things from holding still to being quiet to being able to pick out a good spot, um, you know, how you're going to set your blind or your stand and then getting comfortable uh, just being in the presence of those animals, right, when they come into range. And so there's a lot of things that you can... Uh, be educating a new a new uh, hunter on uh, while they're crossbow hunting and then you know like with my son he's 13 now he just got a brand new bow this year he's pretty excited uh he just got a new bow tech uh he's been shooting that and i know his goal for 2019 is going to be to get his first deer you know with the compound because as you said it's just a little bit uh, added level of challenge, right? You've got to draw that bow, uh, you know, while the deer is there. And it's a natural progression. And some people, you know, are really down on crossbows. But, you know, my feeling on that is, look, we as as bow hunters, you know, as people who are more experienced, you know, than they may be in this game, we need to do a better job of, um, you know, educating those folks, evangelizing those folks, whether that's like, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, maybe they've gotten into the archery seasons through crossbows. Um, you know, I don't think we accomplish a whole lot by by belittling anybody for using a crossbow, but yeah. it's but it's more of a let that be an opportunity then as they become more comfortable in the woods, maybe they get a couple of harvests under their belt to, you know, share, like you said, the excitement, the adrenaline rush, the added sense of satisfaction that you personally get from using a compound bow to may inspire them to go ahead and pick one up and do the same thing. Um, you know, to me, that's the way that we ought to be doing it. And, you know, because I hear people in the industry and they just complain about the crossbow. And I'm like, look, at the end of the day, it's a free country and people are going to buy what they want to buy. So if you're concerned that more people are buying crossbows or you think, you know, the crossbow is stealing market share, maybe maybe we ought to look in the mirror and say, we need to do a better job of explaining to people why they might want to pick up the compound bow, you know? And, and, and I think yeah. that eventually if people are really serious about it, they will. To me, it's going to be a natural progression for people that that get really, really into it. You know, um, that's just my opinion. But uh, uh, you mentioned it. You know, it's always interesting to touch on that because uh, you could just you could do two hour show every day on crossbows and do a call, live <laughs> live call in show, and man, the the phone lines would light up. That's for sure. If it makes you excited to do it, man, you know, and it's legal, go ahead and do it. You know, not you know, every everywhere's different. I, I wish. My wife, you know, my wife uses a crossbow too. In like Colorado, you got to have a doctor's slip, I think, to, to to use a crossbow in archery season. And uh, you know, she can't. My wife has shoulder problems and cannot cannot uh, shoot a compound. And I'd like to take her elk hunting. So either I'm going to have to get her a doctor slip and get all the proper paperwork in order to go out there, or someday maybe they make it legal and it just takes a little bit of the red tape out of the way. You know, I, yeah, I don't think it's hurting. Or, or, or you just take her hurting like a. Take her to Wyoming. That, Take her to Wyoming. They're oh, legal. Wyoming, it's open. Yeah, it's yeah. open there. I didn't know. Yeah. That. So you can just yeah, you might have to it's find wrong. a good find a good elk hunt for her in Wyoming anyway. Listen, I want to close with this. I mean, we're almost at about an hour, so I usually try to keep it to about that length. It's amazing how fast time flies when you're talking to uh, you know the hottest uh, 3D shooter in America, folks. Um, let's talk about real briefly. Uh, you know we're. We're heading into spring here. A um, lot of uh, good weather on the way and, and time to get out there and, you know, participate 
you know, in those local uh, shoots at the 3D uh, club or uh, the local tournament or, or outdoor show or whatever's coming around. Talk to me a little bit, you know, from your perspective about what uh, our listeners who, you know, predominantly are bow hunters, um, what maybe we can all get out of doing some competitive shooting this summer and, and how that's going to benefit us in the fall here as deer season comes around again. I think, you know, especially when you're, when oh, you hang, on, to, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I got to interrupt you. Your stuff together on the, on. Kenny, Kenny, you just cut out. Start over, start your answer over again there. Cause I didn't hear yeah. what you said there. Go ahead. Oh, can you hear me? Sorry. Yeah, I can I hear you think, now. I think that it's, uh, all right. I think that, uh, I think these shoots and to do nothing but help you guys, you know, with the Jackson, you want to, you want to get your skills honed and, and ready for, for, and, you know, you, you, you put a little bit of bodies and, you know, kind of rib each other and, and, uh, you know, you get out there and when you're out in the woods, it does not, it helps you. I know a lot of guys, I try to get them to come shoot with me and they're like, Oh, I ain't got my bow out in practice. Well, what do you think we're doing? We're going to these trees. This is practice. We're for practice. You don't, you know, dig your bow out and go shoot local 3d isn't nothing big <laughs> you know you're not you're not going to win a million dollars at a local 3d shoot we should get out there and practice other four and plus I, we gotta get out there and support tree clubs because uh a lot of them on a, in your area but my area a lot of them are closing and stuff because because of lack of participation so we gotta, gotta get out there and give them some money so they can keep us you know yeah absolutely plus it's just a just a fun way to spend a day man and, and the camaraderie out there is awesome yeah. like you like you said you know there's nothing to create a little bit of pressure like two of your best buddies staring over your shoulder while you're looking through your peep site or, or maybe your kid you know chirping in your ear and hey if you can't handle that i don't know how you're going to be able to handle it when that 150 finally shows up under your stand this fall right kenny <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man. That's right. I I enjoyed. You know, this is the first time, other than just a two minute call the other day, setting up today's interview. It's the first time I've ever had a chance to talk to to you, Kenny, and I, I enjoyed it, man. I'm glad that you won that tournament because if you hadn't, um, I wouldn't have had a had an opportunity to get to know you a little bit today and, and our listeners would not have either i can tell you this much uh this may be the first time that we have you on the podcast but i certainly hope it's not going to be the last i hope not either hopefully hopefully i'm talking to you in a couple months with a couple wins you know man <laughs> that would be sweet that would be sweet and then i'll start getting the emails from levi he'd be like hey when can i get back on peterson's bow hunting radio i'll be like i'll be like wait your turn buddy kenny's hot right now man <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, thanks. He's a good dude. <laughs> he is. He is. We like him. Uh, thanks again, Kenny. Really appreciate it. I wish you, I do wish you the best as you continue through here, uh, the ASA season. We'll certainly be tracking your progress, and uh, we'll have you back again soon. Okay, man? Yep. I'm good. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.